We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Bucks won a f***ing NBA championship. Yeah! What? What? He tries to take a pulse, baby. Watching that basketball game, like, caused health problems for me. Boogie hates racism and Chris Paul. And who cannot get on board with that platform? If I've learned a lot, this, I, I'm not going to say it. That sounds too good. That was good. Roll on. No, 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 no. The Bucks do win it all. Pat Connaughton's numbers should be in the rafters. Hey there. Welcome to the Eurostep, a Milwaukee Bucks podcast, proudly a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and GSPN. I am Ty Windish, not joined as always by the basking in sunshine, Rohan Kadi. Rohan, enjoy your vacation. The content he's posting from said vacation has been excellent. So shout out to Rohan. I am joined by the audacious, and I mean that in a good way, Numak. Numak is known. How's it going, buddy? Doing well. Doing well, Rohan. I hope you're enjoying the sunshine of uh, the Caribbean. Redacted place. Let's That's not right. give too much away. Yeah. I, I didn't give too much. I just said a, a region. The Caribbean's a large place, my That's friend. That's true. But uh, yeah, happy to, to fill in as best I can for the illustrious Rohan Kadi. I feel like you're probably just happy to talk about anything besides trying to figure out when Aaron Rodgers is going to come out of the darkness. So I won't even remember right. the point. We can just get right to it. There's <laughs> a lot of Bucks topics to cover. Um, this this Monday morning, as you listen to this Sunday night, right after the end of Celtics-Knicks, as we record this, a game the Celtics actually <laughs> lost. I mean, we're going to talk a lot of Bucks, but you and I both watched the ending of that game. We said, oh, we'll record right after. There's like four <laughs> minutes left when the Bucks wizards game ends. The Bucks beat the Wizards. Pretty ugly game, but a win is a win is a win. And they go to overtime twice. The Knicks do everything in their power to lose outside of Emmanuel quickly, just being 51 minutes of glory. But Jason Tatum goes ice cold. Al Horford finally misses a three. Marcus Smart fouls out. The Celtics lose. This is noteworthy because they also lost to the Nets on Friday. Meaning despite Milwaukee snapping that winning streak in a terrible fourth quarter at home against Philly on Saturday, the Bucks actually gained ground on Boston for that number one spot in the East this weekend. Bucks go one and one. Boston goes 0-2. Kind of not great for a mostly outside of Robert Williams. And I think Brogdon in that game helped yeah, the Celtics up. team. But the Knicks don't have Jalen Brunson, who's been one of the best guards in the league for a couple months now. So I'd say that evens out. Um, yeah, yeah, it's 
Go ahead. Yeah, what do you think about that game? I think it's definitely just like going off the Celtics losing two over the weekend. It's almost like a weird type of happy to be like, yeah, the Bucks actually gain ground despite winning 16 in a row. Yeah. And then losing one and then winning one and still only getting a game over the weekend. It's like, oh, the, the both these teams are really good. Well, it's pretty funny because, I mean, the Bucks had to win like 12 straight to make up any ground and finally catch Boston because right. they were so far ahead and they just been so good. I mean, there was one point early in the streak where the Bucks won like eight in a row or something and they had gained like half a game or a game because Boston <laughs> just wasn't losing either. Right. Uh, but now it's kind of funny that the Bucks slow down a little bit by their terms, slow down, split two mm-hmm. games, and suddenly that's that's like outright gaining ground. I do think, I, I think this Boston team is still very good. I still think they're the team to beat, despite Philly beating the Bucks. I mean, I think Milwaukee just kind of implodes in that fourth quarter. Yeah, Chris, Chris defensively and offensively was really bad. The, the Sixers got a bunch of free throws. That's what they do in the regular season. It wouldn't have mattered if we got an average Chris Middleton game on both ends or even on one end. We got a really bad Chris game, so that's concerning. He didn't play Washington game because it was a back-to-back. He still isn't playing those. Joe Ingles now is, now is which is nice. Um, but I still, even with seeing Boston lose two in a row to you know the New York teams, the Nets are scrappy. They're not good. We saw this when the Bucks beat the Nets pretty handily. The Knicks are good, but without Jalen Brunson, I mean, their offense is kind of despicable. I think Boston's come down to earth a bit. I don't think it's just random. I think they were unseasonably hot earlier in the year, and they've just become like a normal, very good team again. They're still the team to beat in the East, probably in the NBA too, but I just think I just think it looks more doable than ever, even if there are some serious concerns about Chris and some other Bucks injury stuff, but where are you at on Milwaukee's, you know, top flight competition? I am. I strongly agree with the fact that Boston is probably the team to beat in the NBA. Still, I also think that this run of games they've been playing is good for Milwaukee because, like tonight, where they played all their starters, probably plus forty five minutes, considering they went to two overtimes. I think that. They've had a lot of those games recently where Joe Mazzula has been kind of on the tips train of just running these guys into the ground for a few games and playing all these games that matter really late um, and having to keep Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart and and, uh, Grant Williams all in there to play extended minutes. So I think, like you said, they've come down to earth. Um, Despite the Sixers beating the Bucks on Saturday night, I'm still like not too concerned about a series with them just because they're the Sixers and we've kind of had their number for the past two, three years. I said it in the Discord, but this game against the Sixers was an all-time example of a quarter that was the lowest role on defensive variance you could have, paired with one of the all-time highest roles of opponent offense you could have had. Like, 48 points for the Sixers in one quarter is bonkers. Obscene. You don't see that very often. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, Joel Embiid is still pretty good. Uh, that James Harden fella, the fall merchant, he's also still pretty good when he gets calls. Um, I forgot they had Tobias Harris. He didn't really do much, but like, I just I forget he's there. Too. I think he does. I think he forgets yeah. that. Yeah. Like I just saw him. I was like, oh yeah, like Tobias Harris is still an NBA player somehow, some way with that, that contract he has. I think I guess it's last year with that contract. Is, it, is that right? Uh, I think he's got another one after this. I think he becomes expiring. I don't think Ooh. they get out that easy. 
but yeah, regardless, yeah, I, I just I just think Boston is the more complete team at times, and I think that their experience, um, just last season going to the finals and beating the Bucks, is still has them that title of the team to beat, despite the Bucks um, topping the Eastern Conference standings. Yeah, Tobias has thirty nine million coming in next year, so not not quite done yet. Not bad for a fifth fifth and a half option at times. Um, Yikes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I thought that game was just the, the Philly game was just really frustrating. Um, mm-hmm. For I mean, mostly you go into the fourth quarter up fourteen at home with Giannis, you just assume there's no way you can lose. But Giannis, you know, got his scoring going a bit. I think he went into that with sixteen points into that quarter, and he ends up at thirty something. So clearly 34. did thirty four. So you know, did a lot of his scoring, but. Took some really bad shots. Defensively, was not totally engaged. Lost some shooters. Chris yeah. didn't play well. It just really felt like an everything that can go wrong will go wrong quarter. One kind of annoying thing is I saw a lot of, you know, what was Bud? Every time they lose, it's it's somehow Bud's fault. Like, look, do you think Bud called up Chris shooting horribly and not playing any defense? But they, that is know, the, life, the life of a coach. They don't get is, praised. Yeah. They don't get praised and they do things good because like good coaching decisions don't go recognized by the casual fan as often as bad coaching decisions do. I saw people saying, how do you play Chris Middleton over Grace and Allen in that situation? <laughs> and I'm just like, it's really just like insert any two player names. Like imagine yeah. someone who didn't watch the game telling them, yeah, they're pretty upset on Twitter because Bud played Grayson over Chris Middleton crunch time of a of a game against philly uh in early I, march i do think there's something to be said about grayson's role in the fourth i don't think it's bud's fault though well i mean you're gonna play against philly you're gonna play yeah. brook when when Embiid is out there right like right. you need him for that obviously yep. Giannis is gonna play drew is gonna play chris yeah. is gonna play more there's one spot like that it's you know you should have played grayson and and jay crowder and everyone else it's like you know, I, I don't think they should go away from continuing to ramp up Chris's minutes, which he got up over 27 Agreed. in that game, and just go not not believe in Chris in this March game because Grayson had an amazing third quarter. Like, I just think the Bucks coaching staff is always going to take the long view in those situations, mm-hmm. and they're going to play Chris as much as they can under that minutes restriction. Right. And if Chris hadn't played as much, I think people would be complaining that they didn't give him a shot and he's not playing any minutes, etc. You know, it's kind of a no win, but it all starts with, hey, play better, especially defensively. And right. it wouldn't have been a talking point in the first place. Yeah, Harden definitely got a lot of follow calls in that fourth quarter that led to that huge explosion they had. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with you there that you just have to play big against the Sixers. They, have, they are just such a big team. So... I'm overall fine with it. I just think that despite wanting to get Chris's minutes ramped up, there might have been like a couple minutes here or there for Grayson. And when there's not, I'm not going to pine over it because I'm guessing Bud and the coaching staff got a lot of data out of this game to see how how they can match up with the Sixers when things go wrong. And they probably won't go to that lineup again um, when it matters, either in April or in the playoffs. So, yeah, I'm not too concerned with it. So we've got a few new acquisitions to talk about. It was a busy roster movement weekend for the Bucs. Yeah. I mean, we had another Myers-Leonard 10-day. I think, you know, he exists. He's fine. 
you know, he hasn't played in the last two. He didn't play the last two no. games, right? Now yeah. that Giannis and Bobby are back, he's really. I don't think he's going to play every night. You know, he he's Which is been just fine. Yeah, he's been fine. Depth shooting forty three percent from three. He is large. I think that's pretty much all they're looking. He doesn't seem actively unhappy. I think those are the three boxes they're looking to check for that third big spot. This is a while ago now, but Jay Crowder, I, we haven't talked to you about the Bucks. If anyone doesn't know, I didn't I didn't say it up top. Numak, if you can see it on YouTube in his background, if you're watching there, host of Talk of the Tundra, GSPN's Green Bay Packers podcast. We did joke about Aaron Rodgers, but we talked to you <laughs> last time was before the season, I think. Yeah. Kevin Durant podcast we did with Rohan. We didn't have so. Kevin Durant yet, but um, we talked about him. What are your thoughts on... Jay Crowder with these however many games he has played since five or six games, I believe, since he was acquired at the trade deadline. Uh, I've been really surprised with how um, well he's been playing and just being conditioned to play. Like there's been a lot of times I should open back up. I came into the trade thinking that he might be a little bit slow to get into rhythm with the team. And that was not the case whatsoever. He kind of has fit in just as well as he would have had he been like injured and been with the team all season long, kind of like Chris was and kind of like Jingles did um, when he joined. I think he's fit in quite well. He's a bit um, hot and cold at times. Like he had times against the Sixers where it was kind of like, what are you doing? And he had times against the Wizards um, tonight where he was, I was kind of figuring out what he was, what he was doing. But overall, I think he's been an absolute plus. It's a testament to his work ethic and just overall um, tenacity as a player to be this ready, having not played for three quarters of the season, and just a great piece for um, for the Bucks to have moving forward and for the playoff stretch. Like I know that a lot of the discourse is Jay gonna, going to be that sort of PJ Tucker role and being the stout kind of a hole offensive or defensively, which is a good thing that they need to have. Um, but he just he makes veteran plays. He had a snazzy little behind the back pass on the baseline to Drew Holiday in the corner to hit a three tonight against Wizards. It's like that's just a veteran play and something that they just need to have on the court um, in tough spots like they were tonight. Yeah, I certainly agree. I mean, I think defensively he's just kind of immediately fit. I haven't really noticed many many plays or sets where it looks like he doesn't know where he's right. what he's doing or where he should be. I just think. He is a smart enough defender. You know, I know there's some consternation about his minutes. He played uh, about 13 against Philly and then against Washington, only played 14 and a half. I don't know how much of that is back-to-back conditioning versus just not wanting him to play as much. I'd be a little surprised if they just didn't have the minutes for him. I kind of feel like they're artificially keeping those lower. I would have liked to see him play more against Philly, especially, and against Harden. But, mm-hmm. again, it's, you know, there's only so many minutes to go around, and Chris is just going to get his run, and I think that's the guy you'd look at, unless you want Pat to play less, which he hasn't played well. He's just got to start knocking down threes. I mean, it's yeah, he does. It's really that simple. NBA stats aren't updated yet for the game, but 34.6% going into the Washington game, and that's going to drop. So, yeah. it's just, I mean, it's that simple. I still think... I test wise, I like what he's doing overall. Mm-hmm. I just think the shots need to fall. But for Crowder, I, I think those minutes will come back up. He's still averaging about 18 per game total. I think the thing with him is I want to see him worked in more offensively. It just feels like more than I want to say anyone on the team right now, really, he will just go a long time 
without touching the ball at all offensively. And it makes sense because he's a new acquisition and he's not a ball handler, right? They're not going to feed it to him to start possessions. But hopefully he can kind of figure out the rhythm more, how to move around Giannis more. Because when he does touch it, I mean, you mentioned the baseline pass to Drew. He's made some excellent entry passes. He's knocked down shots. He's gotten to the foul line. He's done a lot of good things. I just feel like they're probably not using him quite enough so far. So I'm hoping that that's something we see more as we get even closer to the playoffs is Crowder touching the ball more often and playing more minutes as well. I think it was against the Magic that I remember this from because I was looking at the box score for the Sixers and it wasn't um, didn't reflect what I saw. But he he does a really good job of being like sneaky good at mid range where he just like will pump fake off of a of a three, drive the lane, and then get stuck and then turn around and shoot a mid range jumper and it just drops. Like I think that is something that the yeah. Bucks really value in the same way that Chris Milton adds that value for the Bucks and like that mid range game. Crowder weirdly good for that in the few games I've or in the games that I've watched with him uh since being traded over. Um one of the biggest things I think in general for this Bucks team and Jay Carter being on it is he already has a feel of where to be um on the three-point line when Giannis drives. Like getting those kickouts from Giannis is a crucial part of being on this Bucks team. And he's already just has that veteran presence of knowing how to do it. Like that was a big part of Grayson's maturing into the offense was finding out where to be yeah jay crowder's been with the team for what seven games ish and is already perfectly placed on a Giannis drive six games the um the two huge corner threes against phoenix and his revenge game were great yep. he's had some big bucks moments already so really excited and confident we'll see more crowder i, I don't think they just oh, yeah. plan to play him 13 minutes a game forever i, I don't know i'll be interested to see so the upcoming schedule, I had this pulled up for later, but I'll just share it now. Uh, Tuesday night against Orlando, in Orlando, 6 p.m. Central. Thursday night at home against the Nets. And then Saturday night in Golden State against the Warriors, where they're, they're actually good when they play at home. And then <laughs> they don't play until Monday, and then they have a back-to-back. Sacramento, Phoenix. So really tough three-game, quick little Western Conference road trip there. But the next three games are all not back-to-backs. So I'm wondering, do we see more Crowder minutes in all of those games? Hopefully so. Hopefully we see Chris play all three of those and and start to play even more minutes as well because that obviously is going to be just, you know, the defining thing of the Bucks season. I mean, there's not even that much to say about it. They need Chris Middleton. They're, they're uh-huh. certainly going to try and insulate themselves and play as well as they can without him because they keep having to. And... I don't know. I don't even want to say what they could or couldn't do with or without Chris, but I think it's clear to say, despite anything else, to play at their absolute best, they need Chris Middleton, the way this team is built. thousand percent. So hopefully he can get healthy. What do you think? You think he should keep coming off the bench? Is he a bench player, Numak? No, no, absolutely not. He's one of the best players in the NBA when he's healthy and conditioned. And so, uh, no, please, please start him. When he's ready. Just to be clear, because people say, oh, then why aren't they? They like him better off the bench. They've yeah. said it. Like, there's things like the Bucks say, and people just yeah. either don't read or, or don't listen. They like him to close quarters when he's playing. Yeah. And if he starts and plays the first six minutes or whatever, that just makes it much harder to do. So they literally, they want him for the most important times. When he's ready to play 30 minutes, he'll play both. And hopefully, again, he played 27 against yeah. Philly. Hopefully, he's not that far off and can begin starting again maybe that'll happen this week who knows Mm. i I have no idea 
Uh, it sure would be nice, though. One more thing on Crowder before we move on. Yeah. Um, I think come playoff time, he might. I think he comes in as like the seventh player off the bench if he do, if he doesn't start. The seventh, like seventh man overall. Yes, sorry, the yeah, second yeah, man yeah. off the bench, seventh player yeah, overall. Yeah, yeah. Like I could see them going big and playing him at like the three and yeah. like going going Drew, Chris, Jay, uh, Giannis, and Brooke, and just going huge and big fu defensively. Yeah, <laughs> which would be a lot of fun. Um. But I ultimately think that's kind of where they're trending towards. And that if Pat continues playing like he is and doesn't really improve, I could see Jay Crowder easily coming off the bench for Pat Conton. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me right now. I mean, just Crowder is the better defender. So if the offense is going to be close, it does just put Pat in a little more precarious spot. I think there's going to be minutes for both of them in any series because just switchable wings who can hit threes, you can't have enough. Pat's yeah. just got to, again, as we said, start hitting the threes again. Yeah. Um, I think that if Crowder starts, because I, I just think Chris will end up getting there by the time the playoffs start. That just yeah. feels like the, that's been their plan all along. I think it all depends on how Grayson Allen plays. And Grayson has played very well, really all mm-hmm. season. I, I think has been my most improved buck. You know, I, I put this in the Discord. If you've not joined, go to gspn.info. Join the GSPN Discord. We're talking bucks. We're talking brewers. We're talking Packers and darkness retreats in there. So sign up. <laughs> but uh, people put forward Javon Carter, which I said, okay, fair. I think Javon is up there. Drew Holiday, he's improved. I don't, he's already so damn good, though. I, I And Brooke Lopez, I was gonna that's say an interesting Brooke. one. That's an interesting uh, one. I, I think the, there's an argument for Brooke or Grayson. Yeah. Because, like, Brooke has been just otherworldly this year. But for Grayson, he has, for sure. The way he moves physically, like, he looks 10 years younger. Versus the last couple of years. But the thing was, he was already like a DPOI level player those last two years. And already a guy I trusted in the playoffs. I I think maybe the better way to put it is like the the trust factor. I don't think anyone has improved more in that than Grayson. And I'm still not like, you know, lock, stock and barrel. He's ready to play to close out against Boston. I don't think he ever will be. Agreed. But I think he could play in that series now. The way he's looked against good teams defensively, I think he's just been more physical on both ends. He's really impressed me. I need to see it. I'm always going to need to see it after what happened last playoffs. But I I do also buy Grayson Allen, Stan, Rohan, Cotty's argument that (laughs) if Chris is healthy, he's going to look a lot better by default just because he needs to do less. I think the, the argument for like best overall their most improved player since the season started is like the the argument for Brooke and Grayson is, is different. Yeah. The last time we saw Grayson before the season, it was bad. It was bad news bears, right? Yeah. And since then, he's played a lot better in kind of how we expected him to play when uh, we acquired him, when the Bucks acquired him, I should say. Um, for Brooke, it's been you're a mid 30s big coming off of back surgery and you look like you're in your spry mid 20s yeah like i think i think that's just the difference it's different expectations of what we expected from um both players and both have exceeded um for the third time in the sentence our expectations this season so that's like go ahead third leading scorer on the bucks averaging nearly two and a half blocks per game 38 percent from three on nearly five attempts per game yeah brooke has been yeah, really ridiculously good. Steve yeah. Novak on the Bucks broadcast. I don't want to know. 
said <laughs> Drew is having a career year shooting the three. And I really – I stopped in my tracks because I, I check all the time. Like percentage-wise, I know it's not true because ironically, it's his worst <laughs> shooting year since he's been a buck for a regular season three-point percentage. But he then goes – the most makes he's ever averaged per game. And I was just like, that's how no one defines. That nobody uh, talks about that. The, the funny thing is, I, I do. I, I think he's right in a roundabout way. But I do think, like, I buy his threes more because he is shooting them more. And even though the percentage is lower, like, it just feels realer. But They the look way better. He, they look a lot better. The way he put it, though, is so funny to me. Like, that is just... Yeah. Uh, whatever I, you know I, I agree with him on the point i just think the way he said it is is bad whatever disregard to put, to put into context and like how i maybe kind of kind of agree with them is i was a uh i was downtown for game seven against the nets in the oh, uh, championship year yeah and when drew shot that three i screamed at the top of my lungs drew no and then <laughs> drew, yes as he made it so like but i haven't yelled drew no at any game this season when he takes no. a step back three or just or pulls it like I'm, I'm comfortable with him shooting it now as opposed to two years ago i was like yeah. maybe don't yeah. <laughs> we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Yeah, I mean it's you know, it's it's sad and how it's happened, but it's it's delightful just on the Drew Holiday side that mm-hmm. he has pretty clearly said, okay, I'll be the second best guy because oh yeah, Chris has not been close, and Brooks had a great season, but again, it's Chris, Chris hasn't is, been close because he hasn't been given the opportunity. Yeah, well, he right. hasn't well, he hasn't been able to play. Right, exactly, like, exactly. Yeah, I had, a, I had a little mini argument with someone today in the Discord that <laughs> that Chris was uh, not as good as Brooke or something or something about contract. It was dumb. It's like, well, Chris hasn't been as good as Brooke this year because Chris hasn't played this year. Yeah, like. <laughs> Exactly. Well, I mean, you know, when he's played, he hasn't been great, but it's been you know, all these starts and stops. It's been so right. complicated. He's had some vintage Chris moments. He is shooting 29% from three. I mean, that's, you know, Pat needs to shoot better. That's important. Again, the, the Chris staying on the court and playing more to usual Chris is 
it's such a bummer of a talking point because there's only so many yeah. ways you can like, you know, cross your fingers and grab a rabbit's foot. I thought that was disgusting, by the way. Rabbit's feet? Yeah. You care yeah, well, about like, the foot of an animal for a long uh, that does that should bring you the opposite of luck. Yeah, like I'm guessing the historical context of it is pretty gross, but if you yeah, buy a rabbit's foot today, the rabbit's foot today is not a rabbit's foot. I thought it was when I was a kid. I remember the, I had the there little, was one of the, the little neon pink ones. <laughs> no, it was it was white, but obviously it couldn't have been real. I mean, that'd be pretty disgusting. To give but, to a child, yeah. Yeah. Um It was the nineties. Things were different. That that is very true. Grunge was pretty awesome. Yeah. Um 18 games left in the season. I think by I'm looking at the schedule here. By the end of March, they have um four games in five days. After yeah, a four a, game road. It's a it's a rough stretch of games that ends with Boston at home. Yeah. Um I don't think Chris should play that back to back against Boston. Probably should just sit against the Pacers and play against Boston. But I think if Chris isn't hitting his normal clip of shots from three and is from the field in general by then, I think by that point it might be time to be like, hey, what's going on, Chris? Like yeah. I, I'm I'm giving him the the biggest benefit of the doubt until he's starting. But if he's not starting until or by that four game road stretch um, in late March and even then by the beginning of April, it might be worth concern that he's not progressing as fast as we need him to, to be ready for the playoff push. Here is my totally uninformed non-medical expert opinion on when he should be starting by. I'm going to say either the Raptors or the Spurs game as we look at the second. Yes, because they, they, okay. The two games this week, then the three games on the West Coast, two of which are back-to-back. One day off, home against Pacers on next Thursday. Then two full days off. Then Sunday against Toronto at home. Then two more days off, Spurs at home. Mm-hmm. All that time off, two bad teams. I would hope by then you can get him back into the starting lineup. If he's at 27-ish now, right. you know, get him up to 28-29 and the – you know, he'll he'll probably play. There's only one back-to-back in this preceding stretch, so he should play like four or five of these games before then. I would hope he's able to start by then because that's still more acclimation and adjusting, and I would like to get in some reps against some of these worst teams before you go play Utah in Utah. Then second night of a best, the viewers, Segi Baba, in Denver, which I'm just sure one of the teams is going to punt that game, which makes me sad. Yeah. And as you mentioned, the hell stretch one to get one game off in Detroit. It's not that hellish. Um, and then well, no, I, th- I think the hell stretch is just that road trip: Utah yeah. on on the 24th, then run the 25th, Monday in Detroit on the 27th, and Wednesday at uh, Indiana. Yeah, and I think, then I think you that's, come a, that's home just a rough for stretch. Boston. Yeah, and then you get what one day off or two days off before the Sixers. Uh, How many one. days are in March? Uh, according to the counting, two or 30, 31. Because I was, was going to say more than two. Because Thursday is the 30th, Friday be the 31st. Yeah. First is Saturday, second is Sunday. So they get a couple days off before the Sixers rematch. And then yeah. Wizards, Bulls back to back, then Grizzlies, then Raptors. Away game at noon is their last game of the season. Yeah. They do have, they do end the stretch of the like they do end the season pretty good I'd say like the between Detroit 
starting with Detroit, all the way in the season, they play like three quality teams. Detroit, Indiana, Boston, Philly, Wizards, Bulls, Grizzlies, and Toronto. Depending on where the Grizzlies are, they might just sit that game too. Yeah. So they're the Bucks, And so I'm not too concerned about the end of the schedule. It actually could work out quite, quite well if they're still trying to get um, Chris uh, warmed up for the playoffs. I mean, you look at the, from that perspective for sure. I think from seeding wise, with a game against Denver and a game against Boston, really, I mean, it's it's obviously whenever you're in first, you control your own destiny. But Milwaukee, yeah. really, assuming those teams don't go on insane tears, they'll yeah. have opportunities to give themselves extra cushion and I believe tiebreakers. Now I don't. Yeah. I think they beat Denver because Denver didn't play anyone last time. So if they went that and beat correct. Denver. And I think if they beat Boston, they'll have that one as well. I think it's the third game, and they split the first two because the one Boston didn't play anyone, and it was still really close. So if you take the tiebreakers, that basically whatever your lead is, you can add another game onto it. So really big opportunities. It sucks that both of them are Segi Baba. So I would hope we see, even if you end up losing, because it's not easy to win in Utah, I hope we get to see some lessened minutes and some guys off against the Jazz and certainly against the Pacers just because I like these opportunities to test yourselves and it's a big standings opportunity to play yeah. Denver and to play Boston in you know late March. Both of those games are. For what it's worth, the rest of the season schedule is pretty, like I guess, average to easy. Yeah, uh, the the West Coast road trip is is tough considering all three teams are playoff teams, but then Orlando and Brooklyn are the next two teams. Then, like you said, after the West Coast trip, it's Indy, Toronto, San Antonio, Utah will be tough. But then, like we said, that end of the season with six games, seven games against, I guess no, five games against kind of middling teams, and then two harder games. That's they have a mix of hard games and a mix of easy games. I don't think there'll be like any like average games in there, essentially. Like they're not playing the Hawks. That is, they are, according to Tankathon, 16th and str- uh, remaining strength of schedule. The combined <laughs> record is just Perfect. barely over 500. So the bad news is Denver is 19th and Boston is 22nd. So at I least according to this too metric. bad for Den- Like, Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah, so those teams have it easier, both, according to this metric. But again, a lot is going to be up to the Bucks' hands, even if they're a little worse than those teams. If you win the head-to-head games, plus the lead you already have, then you're in a really good spot to um, you know, take that lead in. And if they can be the first overall seed, guaranteeing you're always going to get four at five serve. It, you know, hopefully you get that Hopefully you don't need that many, or you know, you at least get to that game seven if you are in a bad spot in the series, but that would be huge. And it would be the first time since the bubble when there was no home court advantage that Milwaukee was even close to that situation. I was very confused for a half second as to why it mattered what Denver's remaining schedule was, but then I tried yeah. to scan things. It makes, it makes sense now. They Good are job. actually now outright second in the NBA and Boston is third after Boston's loss to the Knicks. They, I don't Denver know if is second. Right now. Denver, Denver, Denver is, is second. second. Yeah. Yes. So Denver is one game back in Milwaukee. Boston yep. is one and a half. So, you know, all other results aside, if the Bucks were to sweep those two big games, which is, you know, easier said than done, you're basically true. two and two and a half games above Boston and Denver. Obviously, there's a lot of other games still left to be played too. That's okay. right. One more acquisition. We talked Crowder. We briefly talked Myers Leonard, which is fine. 
Goran Before Dragic. we get into it, we got to say bye to Sandro. Oh, yeah. Another move. We got to say bye. There's going to be another acquisition, likely, at some point, to replace that two-way spot. Sandro ah. Mamukela Shvili. Shveli? I think it's Shveli. I think it's Shveli. Sorry, I'm so used to just saying Mamu. That's right. Um, released from the two-way to seek an opportunity. And I think really, and, and I put this in the Discord and tweeted it, I believe, as well. When he wasn't playing at all, when Bobby and Giannis were both out, it kind of felt like the writing is very clear and glowing on the wall. Like, if you're a four and you don't play when both of those guys are out, there's never, ever going to be minutes. There's just not. And I think everyone agrees Mamu has some real NBA-level skills, certainly his ball handling and his passing, but defensively, size-wise, the shooting, the shooting needs to be there. That's going to be what determines if Mamu has an NBA career. Mm-hmm. It has not been there much recently. So he gets picked up. He actually claimed off waivers, so I believe he's still on two-way in San Antonio. Obviously an organization known for great development. I think he's going to love playing for Pop whenever he does get to play with the NBA team. So really excited for that particular fit, as Jordan Trusky called on winning six for Mamu. Right. I think that like it was – he just ne- could never put it all together consistently. And like that's the biggest thing for these these developing guys, right, is you have to show like – at least a game at hopefully two game stretches of when you are showing progress and showcasing your game to be worthy of a role player spot. And for Mamu, it felt like it was quarters at a time, right? Like he'd play so well for a quarter where he'd shoot the three ball. Well, he'd make a good pass. He'd be just a dog defensively. And then there's other quarters, mostly the three other ones in a game where he just looked unplayable, just getting eaten up on defense, getting bullied down below and just not be able to keep up with the guards. And I think it's just a, it's a tough spot for him because even though he's 6'11", he doesn't play 6'11". He plays like he's 6'6". And it's just tough for him to kind of be that kind of power forward center player when he doesn't play as big as he is. So he's still young. He's only, I think he turns 24 in May. So he's got a lot of time left to, to develop, and I think the Spurs are going to do a good job with that. But for a championship level contender, I just don't. There, were, like you said, there wasn't a spot a spot for him. He uh, off to a good start, hit both of his attempted threes in 16 minutes in his Spurs debut. So coming off the bench, playing real minutes, uh, obviously for a team that is quite bad in San Antonio. But it would be really fun to watch any Mamu Wemby minutes next year. So you know, maybe think, that'll be his teammate. I think it will just help for him too to get consistent run at yeah. at the NBA level. Like at least he'll know at that point. Yeah. Rather than like being why he left the box. Like if I can just get around with the box, maybe I can play. Well now he knows that if he can get consistent run with the Spurs, he can know what he needs to work on and get into a rhythm and flow of trying to be a professional basketball player. Yeah, and I think a nice move on the box part to assuming that maybe Mamu's agency did a little bit of scouting and realized there would be interested parties. To just basically let him go. I, you know, I, I saw people saying they thought they did it in time for him to be playoff eligible. I don't think they did. I don't think it mattered. I mean, there, there's no playoff team out there who is looking for Mamu to be a playoff contributor for them. That's not even talking down on Mamu. It's just, you know, there's NBA vets still floating around. Mamu, an unproven player, is not someone that, you know, a playoff team is going to target. The Spurs, right. obviously not even close to that this season, but right. a good developmental project. 
Um, Woj did report when they uh, when the move happened on the first, which was Wednesday, um, that the, the Bucks did work with his representation on release to help with uh, Sandro's future. So yeah, that makes sense. And also, like, shout out Sandro for not being a dickhead about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I had, not, I had, not being a not being found maker or, or search. Yeah, <laughs> oh, surge still out there, still loose. Playoff teams looking for bigs. Where's the Serge Ibaka love? It's strange. Uh, Anyway, speaking of probably washed up guys, the Bucks officially signed Goran Dragic. I believe they made it official Saturday, uh, the day of the Sixers game. He joined the team in Washington for the second, as Bobby Marks would say. This kills me every time. Washington. Um, I don't know why that. I don't know if that's people from there or whatever Bobby Marks is from. They put the R in Washington. Washington. Yep, yep. The Washington Wizards. There might be too many R's in Washington for me there, just like in real life and in oh, pronunciation. Nice one. That's a good one. Um, anyway, what was it? Oh, <laughs> Goran Dragic. They, they officially signed him. He was on the bench. I think that on the one hand, uh, and I was a little pessimistic about this and, and kind of still am, I just don't think he should take minutes away from Javon Carter, who is playing excellent and was excellent against Washington. And I think maybe non-coincidental that he's playing that well now that Dragic is actually on the team. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, depth is good. It's good to have more players. And funny enough, he wasn't able to play it all yet. I think they're going to try and work him in like they did Crowder a little before they throw him out there. That would have been a game where Dragic probably helps. And I think... If the signing is like, we'll have another body, he's going to help us on back-to-backs or when guys are injured, just a little bit more ball handling and creation and dribble drive penetration, that's fine. I, it's all about role. So I'm going to be fascinated to see you know, when he speaks at length to the media and what he says his mindset is. I'm sure he will be asked. Um, and it was nice to see he and Javon and Joe Ingles we were, were laughing and joking on the sidelines after a certain play and – you know, looked like there was certainly no no love lost there, which is good. Mm-hmm. But I think this is all about the, the whole move will rely on, you know, any promises that were made, what Dragic's role is going to be. I, I don't think it's bad to add a guy, the guy. I mean, he's scoring six points a game, 2.7 assists with Chicago, not playing very well. But I, I just hope that none of these players who have earned their role will lose any of it because of Dragic. I want to see Goran Dragic as much as I see Myers Leonard. Is like pretty much my take on it. Like, yeah, I, I, he's he's old and relatively slow. Fine shooting splits: forty-two from the field, thirty-five from three, seventy from the line, which isn't the best, um, especially for a guard. I just I would rather see Javon almost every single time. Like Javon yeah. has earned his spot in this rotation and to lose it to a vet who doesn't really know the team that well and doesn't have that chemistry with the team as the rest of everybody does like i don't think goran comes into this team the same way uh jay crowder has come to come into this team like at all so yeah yeah just let me see him on garbage time of sega babas and just in blowouts essentially yeah i mean (laughs) Just injury, injury insurance is always going to yep. be big. And I think, you know, maybe, maybe that, that well could be the motivation here with Ingles finally now in the, la- not finally, but now in the last two playing both ends of a back to back, 
Middleton's still not, you know, Drew hasn't had that much time off lately. You know, Giannis may miss some more time with that wrist, which he still seems to be attending to during games. You know, just having another creator you can credibly put out there, there is utility in that. I don't see him as an every everyday fit. The the defense, the age, and you know, thirty five point five percent three point shooter over the last five seasons for Goran Dragic, which is like a little below. I think league average is usually thirty six, thirty seven ish percent. I think it's yeah. kind of ticking up as players get better. Russ trying to keep it down as best he can, <laughs> but at thirty five point five percent is just not that good. And I think. No. A ball handler is less important when you're fully healthy. And when the Bucks are fully healthy, that's why Javon is such a nice fit. Because he mm-hmm. doesn't need the ball in his hands. And that's fine when you have Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, obviously Giannis Antetokounmpo, maybe Joe Ingles. We'll see how he factors into a full playoff rotation because we've seen him get targeted. But I think, you know, at least Ingles has that shooting upside. He's probably even a better playmaker than Dragic. And he's yeah. bigger uh, and I think he just fits better. So I, I never hate insurance, but I just don't see a huge upside for Dragic. I, I hope there's no downside either, though. I, I'm i not that worried, but I see why people are. I agree with you. I don't think I should be worried, but the second I don't think I should be, then uh, Dragic, Dragic will get the uh, Jeff Teague treatment from Bud, and I'll be quite upset. I mean, if he does the Jeff Teague role, that's fine by me. He got yeah. him where they needed to go. He got an A in the group. Pro- Jeff Teague undersold his contributions. I'll say that. That game I'll against let, Atlanta, and then he just disappears. I'll let you make. I'll let you make that argument. <laughs> he just disappears after that. That's fine. If that's going to be Dragic, that is totally. If, if it means they win the yeah. title, so I that think, works. I forget where I saw it. It might have been Discord. It might have been Twitter. Um, I think the the signing, if anything, if he does end up having a significant role in this team, um, allows. The Bucks to have a backup point guard with Javon on the floor and not have to do those point yeah. guard duties, like the the bench unit being Dragic, Javon, uh, either Crowder or Jingles, Pat, and then well, one of those three along with Bobby, or well, two of those three along with Bobby. I I, I see the vision again. I just I don't think I think the utility is going to be limited when all the ball handlers are healthy. But the one thing Javon I'd say is not good at point guard wise. You know, he has a good handle. He has a good shot. Not a great distributor all the time. He's made some nice passes, but I think sometimes he holds the ball too much. I think that is what Dragic could probably be the upgrade on. Also, just getting to the rim. I mean, I haven't looked at his rim numbers specifically this year. They'll probably go up significantly just going from Bulls spacing, which is non-existent, to Bucks spacing. But Javon, not always a great finisher because he is so small and not as good of a distributor. So, that's what Dragic could add theoretically. But again, I think when the team is fully optimized, those things just aren't going to be all that necessary. Javon, great passer as soon as he's too far into a drive to pass. Yeah. Like, like if Javon, when he shoots, and Javon, when he's decisive in passing, I said this in the Discord tonight after he had such a good game, uh, a top 15 point card in the league. Like, Whoa. he is, that, that, that's what I said. Whoa! I, I, you know what? I'm saying Scorcher. it on, on your stuff. I'm saying it, Javon. Wow. I mean, like, with, with how he's been playing this year and his uh, and his uh, efficiency from three, when he's on, he is damn good. This is scorching. Wow. It probably is scorching, but yeah. like he's shooting at such a good clip from three, and it's also a dog on defense. And yeah. like he he has such a good midi game when he's 
pretty much in heat check mode, essentially. Like when he's yeah. in like basically Carmelo ball is what I'm gonna call it. <laughs> like oh, he's wow. like, like like when I'm taking the ball, I'm and I'm just doing my thing. How many more you NBA know? greats can we work into this? Too many. <laughs> um, I just think he does a really good job in letting him play his own game. The problem comes is when he's not confident in his game. Yeah, and he drives real hard to to the basket. Realizes he cannot get the shot off. Jumps in like three sixties or two seventies to try to <laughs> try and whip a pass somewhere. And it's just like oh, I would wish you just go up with that and try and draw a foul or just go up in general because that's or where, just like, take the jumper that too he's the one guy i don't mind when he takes an 11 foot jumper versus going exactly. to the rim because you know he is just happens to be vertically challenged and i i may not believe he is ethical chris paul like you do but uh, i do think you know a good player i just not not enough of a distributor probably to rank that highly among point guards but then i'll know, put this way he might he'll get a top 20 shooting guard then all right, uh, you heard it here first from Newmark, and not either, me. I don't want to get either, into this. One. Either either top fifteen point guard or top twenty shooting guard. Both <laughs> top thirty five guard. Like the the top part of Javon Carter is that player. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you probably say that for a lot of guys. So it's maybe it's not that that out there. The absolute best of Corey Brewer is you know fifty points per game. So one of the best maybe. players of all time. I don't know how you watch the game. I watch it 100% legally. I am a, a law-abiding citizen. Yeah. Um, the Wizards still employ Taj Gibson. I didn't know he still played basketball. Yeah, he's chilling. He's vibing, and that's a horrible thing to vibe on. <laughs> it's such like a classic. It's a classic franchise to end up with 38 or whatever year old Taj Gibson is the Washington Wizards. I'm going to ban you from putting the R in that, in that <laughs> city name. You bring it up with Bobby Marks. It lives rent-free in my head. I can't I can't stop thinking about it. Bobby Marks, his name is probably Bobby Max, but he just says Marks for no, no reason. Borby. Borby. <laughs> Borby Marks. <laughs> Borby Max. Um, last thing on Dragic that I've got is uh, I'm, excited to, I'm excited to see him play. I mean, it's always exciting when they add someone. Um, I, I'm not going to assume the worst until we see it. That's generally been my stance on all Bucks things this year. And, you know, it saved me from a lot of chicken little meltdowns that Twitter has indulged in. So I'm glad that that's been my stance. Um, it's a, a big spending move to bring in a 15th player with this much time left. They The Bucks were hitting their roster um, quota. You have to be at least 14 you can't be at 13 or less for two weeks at a time ever. That's a CBA thing. You can't have a limited roster or, you know, Donald Sterling would have had like nine guys for half the year or whatever, uh, which is obviously bad for NBA players having jobs. There's only so many opportunities. They could have just kept going with Leonard on 10 days for a while, signed one rest of season contract later, and then had 14 till the end. That's totally fine. You can have 14 or 15, not kind of the two ways. They're, they signed Dragic pretty aggressively, you know, with, I think, what, 18 or so or 19 or however many games left in the season. 18. And or, yeah, 18. 19. Uh, well, when they signed him, it was 19. Yeah. Um, and they still are bringing back Myers for another deal just to, you know, as you said, probably not play unless Giannis or Bobby or someone does sit out for a game. It, it's It's... That it's, so, it's not entirely indicative of anything, I think. 
But it is nice to see with, you know, new Papa Haslam coming in here. Don't call him that. He's all of our papas now. Both of them. They're our papas. I've been told by Twitter we need to embrace. I will be embracing no billionaires and no papas. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, But now that the the Haslams are in, it's nice to see a little tongue-in-cheek papa there. A tongue tongue in cheek better than tongue on boot, but the the spending is still there, so it's nice to see that, right? I think this whole since the off season, the Bucks have spent pretty much as aggressively as possible, and they're pretty much right back there. They're using every spending vehicle they can, so nice to see. I mean, as they go for a championship, it seems like John Horst is not hamstrung at all by an upper spending limit, which we know we don't know, but we know. Has not always been the case. Yeah, I'm. I besides the Papas thing, besides the billionaires thing, besides all the tongue <laughs> stuff, um, <laughs> oh, I would I would agree that it's nice to see them being proactive and I'm right. being willing to spend money. Um, while you're here, I mean, got to get your your Packers thoughts before we wrap up here. Everyone, go listen to Talk of the Tundra. Not even Rogers, but. How excited are you for the draft? Because for me, it seems like, you know, whether they're going to have an extra pick or move up or not, it does seem like a pretty exciting opportunity for, you know, a Green Bay team that usually is picking near the bottom of the first round because they're always so damn good. That's not the case already. And maybe they'll be, you know, somewhere in the top 10. Maybe not. Who knows? Not anymore. Not anymore. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Yeah, it's NFL is going crazy lately with the transactions. I'm not going to rule out anything, man. But um, how excited are you for the draft and to see how they fill some of these holes heading into next season, no matter who is QB1? I'll leave the Rodgers stuff for your show. We don't have time for that at the end of the Euro step. Um, I am pretty excited for the draft. I after the combine this week, I still have some uh, some deciphering of prospects to do and how everyone performed. My I fell in love with Brian Branch, the safety out of Alabama. He performed god awfully at yeah. the combine, so that's not going to probably. The RAS happen. is too bad for him. RAS isn't is it? that like is like a four? No, and never happening unless no. he falls to like round six. Goody's yeah. not taking him. Not in the first, and that's where he's projected to go. Um, but yeah, I'm just excited. Like the draft, we should have a lot of answers by then. Like, yeah, I, I talked on Agua Tundra last week that I think something happened this week with Aaron Rodgers and his decision. Because it's a down week of news. Um, so hopefully by the draft time, we kind of just know the layout of the team. We'll have gone through free agency. We'll have hopefully had a Rodgers decision. So it would really just like start the the true offseason off with a good note just to get all these um, these guys drafted in with the team. Like, do they go wide receiver first round? I've seen that mocked. Um, I've seen tackle mocked just because you don't know how long David Bakhtari is going to play as well as maybe drafting a uh, Josh Nyman replacement. There's a lot of options for them at 15. And depending on if they do trade Aaron Rodgers, they could get 13 to the Jets. The Raiders already said no, but that was an option at seven. Panthers pick, I think, nine. Like there's options oh, yeah. for them. There's options for them to get two picks in the first 16 um yeah. 16 spots. And which is a huge opportunity. Huge opportunity. I think the last time my knowledge on a pod is going to fail me at the moment. 
But I think the last time they had two picks in the first round, they drafted Clay Matthews and B.J. Raji. Oh, I was uh, for some reason I had A.J. Hawk in my head, but I could be wrong. That It might be that year, too. I forget which year it was. Yeah. Um, but regardless, I think that obviously two picks is a very, very important thing Yeah. For, for this Packers team to fill some of the holes that I don't think are able to be filled with just like first, second, third round picks. But if they can get two two guys like studs and like hand out studs in the first round, it'll be by far a win for this offseason, but it's still TBD. Yeah. And I think I'm excited for the draft. I'm excited to see, you know, now with this Jalen Carter stuff, which I don't think it's going to impact his stock as much as some people do personally, but um I want the Bears' decision. Maybe it's not a decision at all. You probably just go with the guy that you believe in at quarterback that you already have, trade down, get a bundle of stuff. But they've got to at least be a little tempted to take Bryce Young, number one, who, despite being a peewee player, I think is clearly the best actual quarterback in the class, at least right now at playing quarterback, and then trade fields for something. I mean, that's going to shape the Packers' biggest rivals' future for a long time, depending on how what you know what they get out of first, whether they use the pick, they trade the pick, they get fields, who they end up with, how far they drop if they trade the pick. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think if I'm them, I would trade down a little farther, see if you can get Jalen Carter dropping to you now. I, I think it's two misdemeanors. I, I think he's not going to fall past like 10, 11. It's the NFL. I don't know. Who knows? Um, but... I just think that if you can get multiple more firsts with where your roster is right now, right. but you've got a quarterback you kind of believe in, I think it could be pretty damn good in like two years. I think this year, you know, probably where the Lions were this past season, but it's going to be but without the, disagree, but that's for a different time. It, I'm saying if they crush their their picks right now, yeah. and and just I assume they'll just use some of the cap space on long term deals, just because they'll have a ton, so they could yeah. have a much different roster. Coming into this next season. But they are the Bears, so they'll probably bungle it. That's the thing is that they haven't bungled things since they got their new GM and like yeah. coach in there. Like they've been pacing holes. Yeah, they've been making relatively good um, decisions. The correct decision, uh, I think. I, they blew the Claypool, that's for sure. Yeah, it's a bad. That's pick number 32 in the draft they sent over for a wide receiver who is not good at football. Right. Not that good at football. Correct. Um, I think that the the correct choice is to trade down. Like I think, yeah. you just you just roll Justin Fields. Much but safer. As, but as we saw with the Cardinals four years ago, five years ago with Kyler Murray and Josh Rosen, yeah. that if you believe in a guy enough that he's a better stud than your current uh, young QB, then you kind of just roll with it and figure it out later. Kind of wonder um, if they're going to do that again. A little bit of me, just a little bit of me. The Bears or the Cardinals? Cardinals. They could. But. I think there's so much money locked up, they kind of realistically can't. But yeah, they are in position to draft a quarterback, though. Gonna yeah. be NFL draft is really fun to me. I don't know. I don't know why, but it's it's sneakily as popping as the NBA trade deadline. Ooh, yeah, like, I think you might be the right. Tra- the trade deadline has as many like big names and switches, um, as the NFL does on draft night. 
I, I just think with the importance of quarterback and knowing most years there's like two to five that are going to go mm-hmm. in the first round, it's just so exciting. And teams, like it, it's not the established players you'll see move at the deadline, like the Kevin Durant's, but, you know, seeing like the, the Niners trade three firsts to go up to the top and you're like, oh my God, this is going to shift the league. And then the, the guy picked in the seventh round is better. It's crazy. So the Niners could trade two picks to get Lamar Jackson, according to some reports. Because, I mean, I would do that for sure. Because, they should have. Yeah. Well, at, at least two first. Yeah. I think it was reported today that the Ravens might put the non-exclusive transition, the transition tag. tag. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's different from the transition oh, tag. It's the Jesus non-exclusive. Tra- There's like a whole bunch of tags, but yeah, the non-exclusive transition tag to where um, the Ravens can uh, match or trade. His thing. It's basically like a sign and trade in the NBA. They can put that tag on him, and then Lamar Jackson and his agency can go search out a team that might want to trade for him, like the 49ers. And if they come to an agreement on a big contract, then the Ravens can either match it or trade for a trade two picks, first round picks for him. Imagine. It's like restricted free agency, not a sign and trade. Well, I think the complicating factor there is the Ravens are now changing their offense. They got rid of Greg Roman. I don't think they're doing the hyper running anymore. But if they were, imagine they just go and get Trey Lance and multiple firsts, and they get like 80% of what they were getting out of Lamar because Trey Lance is also a freak athlete and uber fast, and that's their whole offense. I don't know. I don't want to be disrespectful to Lamar as an MVP. Right. But um, Did you see the John Lynch interview at the Combine? No. So... There's an old Seinfeld bit. Oh, but didn't they like? It's it's, go ahead. This is crazy, isn't it? There's an old Seinfeld bit where whenever you ask a man or woman how their relationship is going, the farther they touch on their head, like further up on their head they touch, is the worst. Is the worst it's going. And if you know they touch, they touch their face. It's going bad. But someone was like, "How's Trey Lance progressing? How's he doing?" And John Lynch went to the very top of his head, (laughs) and so they they interlooped. the Seinfeld bit with John Lynch's reaction. And oh, so it's like, no. maybe it's not going so well for Trey Lance's recovery. He had a pretty devastating injury. So yeah. We'll see. Talk about a mess. But Green Bay has their own messes to figure out. And you can ride along with Newmark and the great Jordan Tresky. Kar- Karnak of um, former Bucks two-way player roster eventualities. But talk of the tundra. Subscribe wherever you listen to this pod. Or on YouTube. It's the same YouTube channel. Their episodes are all video as well. But Numak, thank you for joining me. Any other plugs or anything else to say to the folks? You can follow me at on Twitter on at Numak is known. Follow Jordan as well. I'm sure you guys already do if you listen to the Buck stuff. Jordan yeah. Tresky. But yeah, we're uh, we're power- chugging through this offseason. It's not really an offseason in the most traditional sense to other sports that there's stuff happening from the Super Bowl all the way till the draft. And then the actual offseason is like end of April, May, June. And then you start to go to training camp. So we got a, a lot of good content over on the Taco Tundra feed. So go come check us out. We would appreciate it. Definitely do that. Follow Numak. You can also find the Twitter links and everything else, gspn.info. Follow me. Follow the pod. Thank you for listening. And Repod. And Repod, our favorite podcasting platform. That's right. Check us out on Repod. Talk at the Tundra. Eurostep slash winning six, aka Eurostep Podcast Network, cruising for a bruising, and make time for this succession back this month. I think I'll be seeing oh, you so excited. on pods again soon, Numak. I know we're both so avid excited. watchers. We'll be covering that 
Adam and Andrew do a bunch of films. We got all this stuff. GSPN.info. Thanks for listening. Pod Random. We will talk to you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.